Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Hey, I want to continue our series, Earth to Heaven, this this week, but I want to remind you, if you're newer to our church and you haven't been through our Go Deeper classes, these are like an on-ramp for you to get plugged into our church. And today, we have our Essentials class. You can jump in anywhere in any of the classes, and you won't miss out um, from what you missed last week, but you can get them anytime. So today, right after service, we have our Essentials Go Deeper class, and uh, Joey is preaching. He's back in the sound booth. He's teaching our our Go Deeper class today. There's free lunch and childcare, so I hope to see you there. hope to get you connected to our church. We're glad you're here this morning. Hey, I've been started this series last week, and it's called Earth to Heaven, and it, and it deals, and it goes along with what we're doing this month is our is 30 days of prayer, and how many of you love my beautiful Vanna White here spreading out my balloons for me? Um, and so this is this series is to look deeper at our prayer life, and I, and I have a buzz back here. Can we mute some things and see if we can get rid of it? Um, yeah, it's still there. But we, we, we're te- talking about the fact that sometimes when I pray, I feel like uh, I don't get a hold of heaven. Do you ever pray and you feel like you don't get an answer right away or you don't know if, if you're heard by God? And, and I think we all go through this, and so this series is on that. But today I want to go even a little broader than that. I think this applies to our prayer life, but it's something that God has put on, put on my heart. Because I, I feel like in our culture, I see um, Christianity, a version of Christianity, but it's very... of Christianity that doesn't seem to be affecting our culture. We have bigger churches than we've ever had before, but we have more problems in our culture than we've ever had before. And so I think there's something that we need to look at this morning and, and uh, talk about that'll help us get a clearer picture of what, what we need to do as the church. And, and uh, my question for you this morning is, you ever, have you ever been in someone's house, or maybe you've had people to your house, and there's, there's something in the house that, that used the first thing you notice? Maybe it's like an old couch, it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the decor, but the people who live there, they, have, they don't even really notice it because they see it every day. And the same happens in church. When people visit the church, sometimes I ask people on their first visit, did you notice anything? What's the first things you notice about our church? Because sometimes you can be around a situation so long that you don't even realize it or recognize it anymore. And it ha- might happen with your couch at your house. Maybe you have a, a piece of furniture that doesn't really go with everything, and you don't even notice it because you're at your house every day, but it's the first thing people see when they walk in. Now some of you are thinking about your house. It's like, oh, my gosh, i got to get rid of that couch. I'm sorry, husbands, all right? I'm going to apologize right now. But I've realized that in our life, we adopt policies or beliefs below the surface that we can't see, and sometimes we live with them so long we don't even realize they're there. And it's kind of like policies in a restaurant. Have you ever been into a restaurant and they, and they asked you about this policy and they, they said, hey, before we can seat you, is your whole party here? Have you, ever, have you ever been asked that? And I've been asked that a few times and I understand the policy because they don't want you to sit down at the table and the rest of your party show up two hours later. Now they've lost that table for two hours before they've even served you. And so I understand uh, the need for this policy, but we were in a restaurant one time and and they asked me, they said, is your whole party here? And I said, yeah, we're, we're here. And they seated us, and our server immediately came over. It was this lady, and she said, I thought you said your whole party was here. Because there was an empty table or empty chair at our table, and that person had actually gone to use the restroom. And so I asked the server, I said, uh, yeah, but can we pee? I mean, like, is, this, is it okay? And she said, oh, okay, and walked away, and she was just very angry. It must have been a bad day or something. She came back two minutes later, and she was like, hey, what can I get you guys? And I was like, I think I just met your evil twin a couple minutes ago. I don't know, but she was angry. 
and, and I, understood, I understand the policy, like I said, but the way it plays out in the business, probably the owner doesn't even realize, the manager doesn't even realize that that happened. It was unseen to them, but I don't think they'd like that very much. And I think there's some things that are unseen in your life, and you do not like what it's bringing into your life, but you don't realize it's based on an un, unseen belief or policy below the surface that you don't even know about that you don't even acknowledge existed. And so we have, to, we have beliefs operating in our lives that we can't see. And my goal this morning is to expose these beliefs to you. The things that you don't like to talk about, the weaknesses that you have under the surface that you don't like to discuss, these are actually the areas that need ministry the most. And so I, my, my mission this morning, my prayer, is that um, I can expose these things. Because the thing is, I don't know if you know this or not, but everyone else can already see them. And we, and I've, I've told our leaders this this morning, and I didn't say it, another preacher did, but he said, you're already dancing naked on the table and everyone's watching. It's okay. Everyone can already see the things that you're trying to hide. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody, and in the middle of the conversation, you're like, you see things in their heart, you see insecurity, you see unforgiveness, you see bitterness, and it's all under the surface, but just in having a conversation with them, you see these hidden beliefs under the surface that are causing their thoughts and their emotions and their actions to line up with these thoughts, and you say, wow, that person has some baggage just from having a conversation with them. You see their beliefs, and this, this applies to most areas of our lives, but it also applies to our prayer life Heavily, I think we have beliefs about prayer that hover below the surface and they affect the way we pray. I think we have issues in our prayer life that we might not even realize are there. Maybe you, you prayed for something and you heard crickets. And you said, earth to heaven, are you even there? Can you hear me? And the, and the result is that you decided, you know what, I'm going to, as a response, change my beliefs without even realizing it under the surface that I don't pray for those things anymore. And, and as I was thinking about a title for this message, if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Believe It or Not. Believe It or Not. There's a famous man named Robert Ripley who started um, uh, this phrase. He coined the phrase, Believe It or Not. You may have heard of him, Ripley's Believe It or Not. And he's no longer with us. He passed away. But he had this uh, life back in the Great Depression where he was making millions of dollars when everyone else was making nothing in the Great Depression. He had, he had this business that he started, and he coined this phrase that speaks to a choice that we have about what we believe. Believe it or not. And I don't think we realize we're constantly making these choices under the surface. I love another quote by him. He said, I've traveled in 201 countries, and the strangest thing I have seen was man. Because he realized we are such a complicated creation. There's so much under the surface that is played out in our words, in our actions, based on our beliefs that we don't even see. We're complicated. And there's th unseen things under the surface guiding us. You see, we have unconscious belief systems guiding us. Unconscious belief systems under the surface. And Ripley, he was famous for seeking out and finding false beliefs and facts. This is how he got famous. He started pointing out these facts that, that nobody else even thought about or looked at. He, he uh, wrote that the Star Spangled Banner was never actually adopted as our national anthem. And people got so angry, they'd send him hate mail. But you know what? He was right. And as a result of his story, that the Congress, they, they acted on this, and it led them to adopt it officially as our national anthem. And he, uh, he, he had another one where he said, George Washington was not the first president of the United States. 
And people got so angry, and he proved it. He said a man named John Hansen, who signed the Articles of Confederation that preceded the Constitution, was briefly elected the President of the United States in Congress assembled. You see, he revealed these hidden truths that people didn't even know about. Were they true? Yes, but he had to go digging for them. Can everyone say belief system? belief system. There's, this is this unconscious, below the surface thing that we use, that we, we acquire these beliefs through exposure, experiences, information, and observation. And this is the culmination of these beliefs that we acquired unintentionally. You did not put these beliefs in place intentionally, usually. They're based on things that have happened to us. Uh, they're, based, they're based on um, exposure. What we were exposed to as a child maybe put some deep belief systems into us. They're based on information, things that you've, you've learned or you've heard, or they're based on observation, things that you've observed and you've changed your beliefs to match your observations. You see, the, all of these things are taking place under the surface. You see, your belief system is system is the invisible force behind your behavior. It's your autopilot, and it drastically affects how you think and act on a daily basis. It affects everything about how you act, and like Ripley, we can only see change by exploring these unconscious beliefs and exposing them to God's beliefs about us. Because you you have these beliefs under the surface. Let me show you a graphic. I want to explain that I had uh, Pastor Casey make for me. well done. On the top left, you see is our beliefs or about ourselves, our self-definition, okay? And then to the right of it, you can see emotional states. See, what we believe about ourselves affects us emotionally, and the result of that is our behaviors and our thoughts are affected. And finally, we see the results of what we believe, followed by emotional states, followed by our behavior or thoughts, and the results can cause us to change our beliefs. And we go in this circle, and we, we, our results can reaffirm our beliefs, or they can change our beliefs. But our belief systems are root systems. They're below the surface, and without deliberate introspection, you will never actually see these things and actually see God change these things in your heart. It takes being deliberate about looking inside of myself and seeing these things. What I do know is I know how I feel emotionally, right? I know what I'm thinking and I know um, how I'm behaving and I know the results it's producing. I can see all of that. And so as these things are all above the surface, but this is important because some belief systems are based on results we have gotten. And, and I don't think that's what God desires for our life. What is feeding your belief systems? Is it results you've gotten? Is it things you've observed? Or is it God's word that is feeding your, your belief systems about yourself? Because this is a really important to ask yourself. Because if your belief systems are wrong, then guess what? Your emotions are going to be wrong. And if your emotions are out of order, then your behavior and your thoughts are going to be out of order. And you're going to have a result of those behavior and thoughts and emotions. And then it's going to go in this drastic circle because your results are wrong. For instance, if some, somebody told me I'm a failure, then I start to feel like a failure. And then I start to behave and have thoughts as if I'm a failure. And then the results affirm the fact that that person told me I'm a failure. And now my self-definition says, Brent, you are a failure. Do you see the drastic things that can happen when our belief systems are wrong? Or maybe you're here this morning and you're a control freak. I know, not you, your spouse, okay? But, But don't look over at them right now. It's the worst time to look over. But something, it makes you feel angry. 
and you get all in your feelings and you get offended and, and you lash out and the result is that you feel out of control of the situation. So you know what? I'm going to change what I believe about how to handle these situations and I'm going to start giving the silent treatment because then I don't have to feel the same emotions of being out of control. My behavior and thoughts, I don't lash out. So that's good, right? And the result is that I can control my significant other's feelings because I've given them the silent treatment and I like that. But all because my beliefs about how, how to control a situation have changed, and, and that's not usually healthy. Does everyone see what I'm getting at? Are you starting to see how your belief system is a root of your issues? We all have these belief systems in place, and it's so crucial when we discuss our prayer life, because is your prayer life based on your past experiences, is, or is your prayer life based solely on the Word of God? Because I think a lot of times we... We neglect the power that God gives us through prayer based on past experiences. And I think God wants us to pray big prayers. We, we read about prayers in the Bible that I don't think I would have the guts to pray like, let the sun stand still. That's a big prayer, but God answered it, and I'm worried about praying my little prayers because I don't want to be disappointed. Can I tell you something? You're not disappointing God. If he wants to answer your prayer and do it, he'll do it. You just keep praying your big prayers, and you keep believing God for big things, and if he does it, then he does it. But I, can I tell you, if we don't get this thing about belief systems, then Christianity in your life will not work the way it was intended to work. This is important because if we don't get this in place we can ask ourselves, earth to heaven, why isn't my life changing? Why isn't my behavior changing? Why are my emotions changing? Why aren't my thought patterns changing? Why am I seeing the same results as before, the same results as people who don't have a relationship with Jesus? This doesn't seem to be working. Can I ask you this morning, is our faith working in this generation? Because I was reading this, this week the, the story about when Joseph, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, do you remember? And Pharaoh had this dream, and no one could interpret it, so they called on Joseph. And, and he comes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I had this dream. And in my dream, there were seven skinny cows, feeble, skinny, weak, and seven fat cows. And, and in my dream, the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows, and they consumed all of it. But can I tell you, after I looked at them, they were still feeble and weak, and you couldn't even tell they ate it. Can I, can I ask you, do you realize that we have a generation of consumers in the Christian church, but there's nothing to show for it, and this is the weakest and most feeble church we've ever seen in this country, but we're consuming more than we ever have before? We're listening to podcasts. We're watching YouTube videos. We're posting on Instagram, Facebook, every other thing about it, but we are weak and feeble. Can I tell you that there is something that needs to change, and it lies in your belief systems? that we can have strength and we can have an effective relationship with Jesus because I see a lot of powerless people that call themselves Christians. And I don't think God wants us to live a powerless life. I think he died so that we could have power. He sent the Holy Spirit to give us power on the earth. I don't think this is his will. The Bible says we are more than overcomers, but why aren't you overcoming? The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is fullness of joy. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm sorry, but why are you still bound? If, if the Bible says joy will come in the morning and the joy of the Lord is my strength, why don't you ever have joy? You're like Oscar the Grouch, but he lived in a trash can. He had an excuse to be grumpy. Why are you so grumpy? Have the joy of the Lord. Where is it? Where is the power that comes with the word of God? Because I need you to know the word of God works if you work it. But the word of God is of no effect if I don't put my belief systems in the word of God. And if it's not working on you, I want to ask you this morning, will you check your belief systems? 
Because you, you, you can only receive what you first believe. We see that in Scripture. Remember when Jesus went to his hometown and they saw him just as a carpenter's son? If you see Jesus as a carpenter, you can get your house fixed. If you see Jesus as a healer, you can get your life healed. If you see Jesus as a savior, you can get your life fixed. But I need you to know it all starts with belief. What you believe about yourself, what you believe about God, what is the authority to determine, to determine what you believe? Is it God's word or is it your experiences? Because if it's your experiences, I'm telling you, just because you see them doesn't mean they're true. And just because what you see seems like reality, I promise you, they will lead you away from the, the life God has for you. God's word says you're more than able, but people tell you you're inadequate. Which one are you going to use to build your belief systems about yourself? Because if we use the wrong one, it will affect our emotions, our behaviors, thoughts, our results, and our self-definition of ourself. And you need to know this morning that one of the ways our faith benefits us is it improves the emotional quality of our life. Paul wrote about this when he talked about the fruit of the Spirit. There's emotions in there, joy, peace, patience, self-control. These are emotional things that God wants us to benefit from our relationship with him. If we, if we receive the Holy Spirit, we should be getting the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the enemy attacks our belief system to affect our emotional states. He's attacking what, what we believe about ourselves, and it's affecting us emotionally, and it affects our thought life and our behaviors. Because he knows if he can get to our root system, then he can change the way that we are affected by the word of God. That's why maybe some of you have been sitting in church for years, but it seems to be of no effect to change you out in the world because you haven't applied the word of God to your life. It's like sunscreen. I can leave it in my bag. It's not going to do anything until I apply it to my life, and then it can save me from skin cancer. Here's the challenge. You've got to come to a place where you realize you already have beliefs in place in every area that God has something to say about. So when you come to this place in your relationship with God, not when you get saved, but when you come to a place where you're ready to be taught, you got to realize that there's going to be a choice you have to make. Am I going to continue to believe as I've always believed about myself, or am I going to replace that belief with the Word of God? And if you're making wrong choices in that area, you're going to get wrong emotions, you're going to get wrong behaviors and thoughts, and you're going to get wrong results, because God, he wants to see us as the creator. Who better to tell us and help us to get the most out of his creation than the one who put us together? He knows how to get the most out of your relationships. He knows how to get you the most out of your emotional life. Everything you're dealing with, God, the creator, knit you together, gives us a formula to live the life that he created you to live, but you got to apply it. you got to take the word of God and say, you know what, I'm replacing my beliefs with this belief. One example of maybe how your belief system has, system has been affected by your experience and not by God's word is, is you, if you've ever had a relationship where someone was disloyal. In your next relationship, you know what you do is, is you, you make the thing that hurt you most in your last relationship the biggest priority in your new relationship. Where you say, I just need someone who's loyal. And then you find someone who's loyal but leading you away from God and you get into a relationship with the wrong person because you put this belief in your heart that says, I just need someone who's loyal and you find somebody who's a terrible influence but very loyal, someone you, you like to spend time with, but you know that the scripturally assimilation happens by association. Proverbs 13.20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So we suffer harm in our lives because our belief systems are in the wrong place. 
because I got hurt in a past relationship, so now in my new relationship, I got to make sure this is a priority, and I neglect that God's word tells me how to get the most out of my relationships. I've made up my own belief systems about it. This happens in your prayer life. You reduce your prayers for, to the level of your disappointment as a reaction to your last prayers. And so now I don't get the most out of what God wants from me for my prayer life because I, I was hurt when I prayed for a blessing, but I never received it. And now I don't pray for big things because I want to be disappointed. Yet the word of God in Mark eleven twenty four says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. But sometimes we don't put that into our belief system. We use our experiences and our results and how I feel and my thoughts too point us into what we should believe. We, we see this played out in church already. People respond to amens when I say something that already aligns with something they already believed. Like if I say, you got to remove certain toxic people from your life, I'm going to hear amen. You know, people stand up, clap, and say, yes, praise God. But then I say, you need to work on forgiving. And all of a sudden, it's like crickets. Because we like to amen for things we already believe. One, one aligns with my belief system and one doesn't. And when your belief system doesn't line up with the word of God, you've got to ask yourself, am I practicing Christian religion or am I making one of my own? Because Christian religion is based on the word of God. And if you want it to work in your life the way God intends for it to work, you've got to apply it. Otherwise, you're just changing it and trying to make some other form of Christianity that doesn't work. And so we see people do this all the time. Now what people do is they, they pick a church that's gonna help ac- not going to help accurately inform God's belief in them. They pick a church that already agrees with the beliefs they, about themselves they already have in place. And so I go to a church that doesn't make me uncomfortable. You know, I don't like when I feel uncomfortable. Can I tell you, Jesus wasn't worried about the comfort of the Pharisees. He, was, he took people that were comfortable and made them uncomfortable because on the way to uncomfortable is the only way to the next level and the next thing that he has for you. You want to grow, you got to get uncomfortable with where you are. You'll never move. Jesus comforted the uncomfortable, but he made the comfortable so uncomfortable. And we love, in the Christian church, we love our comfort, don't we? But I think God has something better for us. I want to share a story with you about uh, this little girl and her family. She, her name was Sarah, and she loved her parents. They had a great family, and, and it was her birthday, and her family didn't have a ton of money. But on this morning, her mom was driving her to school. And, and they arrived to school, and it was her birthday, and, and Sarah said, Love you, Mom. We'll see you later. And her mom said, Wait, wait, Sarah, before you go, look in the glove box. And Sarah opened up the glove box, and in it was a little, a little box wrapped up, and she opened it, and it was, it was a pearl necklace. And, but this wasn't real pearls because her mom said, hey, we don't have enough money for the real thing, but we want you to know you're so special to us, and we love you. She said, thanks, Mom. It's beautiful. And she put it on, and she went to school. That same day, on her mom's way home from dropping her off at school on her birthday, her mom passed away in a car accident. And so... Imagine dealing with the turmoil of this, losing your mom on your birthday. Every time your birthday comes around, you're reminded of this, of this terrible accident that happened on that day. A year went by, and it was just her and her dad, and they, and they did the best they could, and they were, they, there was still so much love between them. They were just working through it together, all the pain. And, and her next birthday came up, and her dad came to her, and every day since her mom died, she carried this pearl necklace around her neck. She never took it off because it reminded her of her mom, and her dad her dad asked her a question. He, he said, honey, we love you, and, 
Your mom would be so proud of you if she was here to see where you are and, and uh, all that you've accomplished this year. And he said, I want to ask you something. And she said, what, Dad? And he said, I want to ask you, will you give me that pearl necklace that your mom gave you? Will you trust me enough to give it to me? And she got angry. She said, no, Dad, that's, why would you ask me that? You know how much it hurts me that you would ask me that, that this is the last thing my mom gave to me, and you're trying to take it from me? And he said, all right, honey, I understand. And so more time went by. They continued to, to grieve and work through the pain, and another year went by. And, and when her mom died, she was 14. Now it was her 16th birthday. Her dad came to her on her 16th birthday, and, and they went out to dinner, and they were enjoying a nice dinner together. And her dad said, honey, i got to ask you a question before the day's over. And she said, what, Dad? And he said, will you give me that pearl necklace that your mom gave you? She said, no. Dad, I can't give this to you. I'm keeping this forever. This is what mom gave me. And he said, I understand. Another year went by. He went to her on her 17th birthday and said, I have to ask you a question. And she said, Dad, you better not ask me to give you the necklace that mom gave me on the day she died. You better never ask me that again. And he said, okay, honey, I understand. And she was still in pain, obviously. Her 18th birthday came up. It had been four years to the day since her mom passed away, and her dad came to her and said, Honey, I know you don't want to hear this, but will you give me that pearl necklace that your mom gave you? And she just started to cry, and she said, Dad, I don't know why you keep asking me this question. I don't know why you think it would be okay to ask me this question, but, Dad, I love you, and I know that I can trust you. And so, yes, I'll give it to you. And she, she took off the pearl necklace for the first time and handed it to her dad. And he reached in his back pocket and he pulled out a, a little box and it looked like it had been wrapped for years. And she opened it and inside was a real pearl necklace. She said, honey, your mom would have wanted you to have the best. And you deserve the best. And can I tell you, in our life with God, sometimes we settle for comfortable in what you have currently, not realizing that God has something so much better for you if you will surrender the comfortable and say, God, I want whatever you have. I trust you that you want good things for me. I trust you that you want good things in my relationships. I trust you that you want good things in my emotional health. God, I trust you. And I think so many Christians, we have problems, we, we struggle with immorality, we're overwhelmed, we're fearful, we're overworked, we're stressed, and, and we got saved, but our thought life never improved because we never trusted God enough to replace our beliefs with his beliefs. God has so much more for us, but we have to apply it. I want to share one story from the scripture with you as I close this morning, and that's with God when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt. You see, God had raised up this man named Moses to deliver the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt. They'd been there over 400 years, and God raised up this deliverer of Moses. He brings them out of Egypt, and then he has his predecessor while they're in the wilderness named Joshua. Joshua and Moses in the Old Testament are pictures of Jesus in the New Testament. You see, the Old Testament does that a lot. It shows us a shadow of what's to come fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so Moses is is this shadow of Jesus. He's a deliverer. He, he brings people out because God is the God of exit. That's why you're never stuck if you know Jesus Christ because he's a God of the exit. I don't know what you feel like you're stuck in this morning, but if you know Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, he's the God of the exit. He can bring you out of anything that you're stuck in this morning. I can tell you from experience. You see, Joshua, he was, he was the one who brought Israel into a literal Canaan. 
this, this promised land named Canaan in the Old Testament. And Jesus brings us into a spiritual Canaan eternally and in the life that God intended for us to live right now. Jesus brings us into that. So Joshua is this picture of him in the Old Testament and Moses as well. And Moses, they get into the wilderness. They've been delivered from Egypt. They've seen these miracles of God just splitting the Red Sea. They walk through on dry land, all of these awesome things. Now they come up to the promised land and they're standing on the edge of the Jordan. And, God, and Moses sends in 12 spies to see how to occupy the land. Not if they could occupy the land. You see, Moses had already uh, acknowledged in his beliefs that we can and we will occupy it. How are we going to occupy it? But that's the first thing that Moses did. That's the first thing a believer needs to do is believe. When the scripture said he'll give you peace that, uh, that surpasses all understanding, it's possible. When the scripture says that he who sows in tears will reap in joy, it is possible. When the scripture says that no weapon formed against you will prosper, it's possible. And when your enemies, it says that your enemies will come before you one way and flee seven ways, it's possible in Jesus' name. See, Moses believed, and, and then the 12 spies, they come back and, and say, there are giants in there. And they say, there, there are giants in there, and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. See, the question is, how do you know what you look like in their sight? Unless you are actually exposing something you believe about yourself. They never told them, you look like grasshoppers to us. They were actually projecting what they believed about themselves onto them. We do this all the time. We do this. Many people do this. They say, I'm an outsider, and they don't care about me. In reality, you are loved, but you already believe about yourself that you aren't worthy of love. So every time, you are hypersensitive, thinking anytime someone doesn't say hi to me, they don't love me. And can I tell you, if you're looking for a reason to feel unloved, you will find it. If you're looking for a reason to feel offended, you will find it. If you're looking for a reason to feel stressed, guess what? You're going to find one. If you're looking for a reason to feel left out and forgotten, you will find it. But I need you to know this morning that just because you see it and you think it reaffirms your beliefs about yourself doesn't mean it's actually there. You're believing things based on your past beliefs about yourself. And I believe a person with right beliefs will look for a reason to rejoice and will never be an orphan feeling unloved because they put the belief of who Jesus said they are, that you're an heir, that you're a son or daughter of the king, that you'll never have to lack in anything that God will take care of you and that you're loved. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You are not broken and alone. You're rich in God's love and always accepted because that's what a child of God sees in the word of God. Now take your beliefs throw them away and put that right there and say, I am who God says I am. I will never feel unloved because my God tells me I'm loved. But the enemy's sneaky. He sneaks these false beliefs in there and they affect our emotions, our behaviors and thoughts and then we get the wrong results. He, these 12 spies, 10 of them came back with a bad report. Caleb and Joshua, two of them came back with a good report. But the 10 of them, the 10 with the wrong report that said we can't do it, they convinced millions that they couldn't do it. The millions of, of the Israelites walking through the wilderness, they said, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it right now. Let's go up right now. We can do it. 
but they believe the wrong report. And I'm looking for some people like Joshua or Caleb who will stand here and say, you know what, I refuse to allow my belief system to be formed by an enemy who says I can't do it. Maybe you can't do it, but if God says I can do it, then I can do it. And I'm going to put my belief system where God says it is, and I'm going to reaffirm who he says I am. I'm looking for some anointed optimists who know that God is with them when they pray. That when I open my mouth, the God of heaven and earth, he hears me. I don't care what the news says. I'm encouraged because my God said something different. I'm looking for some anointed optimist this morning that says I can do it because God says I can. The millions of Israelites in the wilderness, they allowed the ten. They allowed the enemy to tell them something different than what God had to say about them. The result was they were fearful emotionally. They thought fearfully, they began to behave in fear, and the results that they found were, were fearful, fearful. And there, it was actually a fixed fight that they refused to take. Something God already said that you can have it. God had already fixed the fight, and they refused to move into it, and they allowed intimidation to influence them. And the result was they were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years of an eight-day journey. They could have made it in eight days. They stayed for 40 years. And I need you to know you could spend your whole life wandering in the desert like Israel looking for something that you could have in an instant of having the right beliefs. In an instant of having the right beliefs, you could have what you've been looking for in every different relationship. You've been looking for it in different friends and different crowds and different jobs. You've been looking for it in different churches. And I'm telling you this morning, if you replace your beliefs with what God says about you, you don't have to look any farther. Why don't you try something different? Why don't you try something different than what the Israelites tried and believe what God has already said about you and walk that out? What would happen if you just tried? What would happen if the Israelites had just tried? They would have walked into their destiny. Moses would have seen the promised land that, that he wanted to see because they could have believed what God said over what the culture said, over what the enemy said. Can I get that worship team to come back up and help me? Can I tell you today, I think it's time that we tear down some old belief systems and replace them with God's word. I think it's time you, intro, you took an, a moment and looked into yourself introspectfully, and, and found some beliefs that do not line up with God's word and change them. Because you do have a choice. Like Ripley said, believe it or not, it's up to you. What life do you want to live? Do you want to live the life that God has intended for you to live, where you apply the word of God to every belief under the surface, or do you want to continue to live the way you've been living? I think it's time we look in ourselves and replace these thoughts. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I feel lonely. And I believe God's word says that he will never leave you or forsake you. Maybe you're here this morning and say, I'm just too stressed. Well, the word of God says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Why don't you replace it with that? Why don't you replace the word from the enemy that says, I'm just under attack with the word of God that says no weapon formed against you will prosper. It doesn't say you're not going to have any attacks. It says that attack will not prosper. Why don't you replace, I can't get over this hurt to the word that says you are more than a conqueror through him who gives you strength. Why don't you replace the word that says I'm depressed this morning with the word of God that says these things I have spoken to you that you might, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Why don't you take the word from the enemy that says I just can't be happy and replace it with the word of God that says I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. 
You can replace the word that says my circumstances are terrible. It's time to give up with the word of God that says he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Why don't you replace the word that says I'm never going to get my life together with the word of God that says for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I'm ready to replace some of my belief systems that have been robbing me. Maybe your belief system says there's just a storm inside of me that I can't fight. And I believe God's word for you this morning is be still and know that I'm God. That the same God who said peace be still to the storm in the word of God can say be still in your storm within your heart and it has to be still because he's God. Maybe the word that you've been hearing from the enemy says God doesn't listen to my prayers. I believe we need to replace that with the word of God this morning that says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. He hears your prayers. It's time to replace wrong belief systems. You know what I think my favorite scripture to illustrate this is 2 Corinthians 10.5, and we should throw it up on the screen there. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know what, I, in my, and I'm going to change the wording on that a little bit and say we demolish belief systems that set themselves up against the knowledge of God and make them obedient to Christ who is the word of God. He's the walking, talking word of God. It's time to pull down some old belief systems. Maybe you're here this morning and you walked in here feeling forgotten. Can I tell you in the name of Jesus this morning, it's time to pull down some old belief systems. Anxiety, I know. Can I tell you this morning, if you walked in here feeling inadequate, God's word doesn't say that. It's coming down in Jesus' name. Can I tell you if you're fearful this morning, God has not given you a spirit of fear, and so it has to come down in Jesus' name. I know you might have felt unworthy and like you messed up, but God never said that about you. It's coming down in Jesus' name. Can I tell you if you walked in here and you felt like a failure, God God has not called you a failure. Failure is something that happened. It's not who you are. You are who God says you are. Can I tell you this morning, if you walked in here feeling stuck, God is a God of the exit, and you're coming out in Jesus' name. And if you walked in here and you felt offended, I need you to know God has a plan for you, and he's gone before you. No one controls the doors that open before you and the doors that close behind you. You don't have to be offended at anyone. My God controls my destiny. Every one of these belief systems is coming down in Jesus' name. Will you stand up to your feet with me this morning? We're going to worship, but I'm just looking for some people. When the enemy comes to them and says, you can't do it, I'm looking for some people who, like my little girls, know to look in them in the face and say, my daddy says I can. And I'm looking for some people who the enemy has been telling you what you can't do to look up in his face and say, you know what, my God says I can, and I'm going to worship him in the middle of my storm, and every wrong belief system is coming down today in the name of Jesus, because I want to walk in victory and power. If that's you this morning, worship him with me for a couple minutes.